Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 580 for January 27th, 2019. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Booth. Shots back with programming by stealth. This time, installment 70 of X. That's crazy, Bart. It kind of is. I think that, I think we're getting close to double um, taming the terminal. I think I so, because that was like 32. Yeah, yeah, I think we're past double. That's That's crazy. And boy, am I having fun. We're good. And like I said, we're nowhere near done. It's just so, 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 so much more cool stuff we can do. Yay, that's fun. Well, hey, can I tell a story? Well, yes, please. Go for it. So uh, Bart knows this, but I am super excited. Um, I have a, a web page that you guys have probably never noticed and nobody's ever going to click it because I don't know why you need this anymore. But there's a, a link on the homepage of podfeet.com that says subscribe to the podcast. And if you go there, you'll see really old logos, shows missing, and it looks like doo-doo. It's not responsive. It's got, uh, things aren't aligned right. It is just awful. I mean, it's not a table, but it's pretty bad. It looks pretty bad. So I thought, well, wait a minute, maybe I should try programming this up in Bootstrap. And I wrote to my theme vendor, uh, Site Origin, and they're really responsive. I pay for the premium support so I can get email response and they're wonderful. Responsive in two senses of the word. Yeah, exactly. And they have this, uh, these layout tools where you can, uh, that are responsive and it's called, um, layout builders, what it's called. And so I laid it out the way I wanted it. I wanted a big logo on the left. And then on the right, I wanted some text about the, uh, the podcast and then below it, I wanted four little icons for, um, pocket cast down. Wait, I couldn't do them all. One of them, I think Downcast doesn't have a link, so I can't do Downcast, but Pocketcast, Overcast, RSS, and Apple Podcasts. And so I laid it all out in their little layout builder, and it worked great. Until I shrank to small sizes, it, it still, it was responsive, but it took those four logos and it made them vertical. So you would have to scroll for like a half an hour to get to the third podcast because there's all these little icons vertically. So I wrote to him and uh, my little friend Alex wrote back and he said, and uh, I was asking him if there's a way to do that. And he said, no, you really can't separate the, you know, you can't keep them in a row by themselves where they move together like that. And I said, well, you know, it's frustrating because I know how to do this in Bootstrap. I could do it in Bootstrap. And I said, can I use Bootstrap inside my theme? And he said, nah, I wouldn't advise it. So I was all bummed, all depressed, didn't work on it for a real long time. And then I thought, wait a minute, he didn't technically say I couldn't. So I wrote back and I said, I said, so what do you mean by I wouldn't advise it? And he, I said, is it going to break things? And he said, no, I just don't like bootstrap. I said, wait a minute. That's a, yeah, exactly. Well, you know what I wrote back? I said, first of all, have you tried bootstrap four? Cause if you're talking about bootstrap three, I could see your point of view, but bootstrap four is amazing. And by the way, here's a podcast you should go listen to in the show notes. You should go read and you should go learn all this. And so he wrote back and he said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, you actually can use it. And uh, uh, his first response back, oh, I kind of said, you know, it wasn't really nice of you to say it that way because you led me to believe it would break something. And he said his first response back was, well, no, I always am very careful to say I when I mean my opinion and we when I'm representing the company. I'm like, well, yeah, but how do I know that? Well, five minutes later, he wrote another response and he goes, no, 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 ignore that. I shouldn't have hit send. What I really want to say is, thank you. You're right. I really did misrepresent it. I will be more careful in the future to make sure it's obvious when I'm expressing my opinion versus something that will break. So Yay. 
Now I know it can work. So I opened up a, a page in WordPress and I took, I, I wrote it all in Bootstrap and I had it working in Code Runner on my desktop. And I took all the code and I plopped it into a page and talk about doo doo. This <laughs> horse poop, I believe, is what Bart would have called it. I mean, the icons were all different sizes, they weren't aligned, everything looked awful. So I wrote to Bart and I said, Bart, what am I doing wrong? And he said, you need, uh, he said, I don't know. I think you have to like put it in an iframe and then upload your text file to the, to your, your server and then reference it from within the iframe. That's all he told me. And I, and I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, ah, RTFM. Ah. Well, no, what I actually said was if you leave it till I, Sunday, I'll have a chance to go have a look. But of course this was like <laughs> Thursday. So you were never going to wait more than five minutes. Yeah, technically, I think you said you were going to read the RTFM, do the RTFMing for me, but I thought, well, I could try. And it turns out it's real easy to figure out. So I was able to get it up there in kind of a bad looking version. And I've been working up on it ever since. And I finally have it completely working. And it, well, 98% working. There's one size where it gets a little weird. But I have had so much fun. I've done exactly what I want. I've had complete control. And I feel so powerful. I'm so excited about it. Yes. Excellent. Because that is, that is the whole point of this entire season is a series is to give you the power to tell the computer what to do, which is the single most empowering thing any computer user can have. The ability yeah. to make the bloody machine do what we want and not us do what it wants. <laughs> or what your theme vendor wants you to do. Or what your theme vendor wants you to do. Yeah, you know, if you want a, if you want a job done no, right. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And I did, oh, I also wrote back to him. I gave him a little video and I wrote back to him and I said, I just want to let you know that it was a lot of faffing about. So uh, <laughs> you might still say I wouldn't advise it because it's a lot of work. But if you really want to do it, sure, go have at it. And I'm not going to yeah. help you. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, there's no way they could support that because their theme isn't bootstrap based. So their CSS would invariably clash with bootstrap CSS and it would, yeah. Well, I'm starting to wonder, even even if you had a bootstrap theme, wouldn't they still kind of maybe argue with each other a little bit? No, 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 because you wouldn't put, you wouldn't know. The whole point is all of those classes would just work, Mm. right? Because the theme would have loaded the bootstrap CSS. And any other CSS in the theme would not clash with Bootstrap because they're using Bootstrap. Okay. So huh. now what you may have is if your theme, in fact, it will be a bonus, it would be a feature, not a bug. If they had, which they would do if you're doing a, a theme based on Bootstrap, they would have customized the colors so that primary wouldn't be that particular shade of blue or be whatever matches your theme's shade of blue. But you would then use the CSS exactly like programming by stealth and it would then, the resulting layout would be unchanged but the ah. resulting look would match your theme. Oh, there you go. And if I didn't like a color, I could go into my child CSS and change it? Or no? Yes. Well, I could. no, yes, you could. You could then build your own bootstrap, extend the, using their bootstrap as your starting point. You could then, because bootstrap is designed to be extended. So you can extend basic bootstrap or like official bootstrap or canonical bootstrap, uh-huh. but you could also extend their bootstrap. Oh, Okay. Okay. Right, so their bootstrap extends base bootstrap. So they might change one of the colors, but you could change it again, right? I know what you're doing here. You're trying to get me to change my theme and see if I can get it done a second time before you do yours. <laughs> the first time, yeah. I'm at, I'm at like 80%. Nice, nice. I'm now, if you're I'm having now fun, procrastinating. Though. I'm having fun and I'm procrastinating over color schemes because it turns out I'm colorblind and very bad at colors. Other than that, right? Other than that, yeah, and I need to, yeah, I, I can't, it, 
I have a really, really nice logo I'm really happy with. And it absolutely, it's, I don't know if it's quite the right word, but basically it's Tombra is just completely at odds with the feel of the bootstrap default colors. Like they're not oh. from the same universe. They're just a completely different mood of color. Like the, okay. they're not those strong primary colors. They're quite. They're, Muted and such. It's hard to call bright green and bright orange muted, but they're a long way off primary. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I found the hardest part was I, when I got done, it probably took me two months before I pulled the trigger. It was done, but it was really hard to just do that final, oh my God, what if it all blows up and dies? Ah! I think I made you I, that, hold my hand while I did it. We, I, you did actually, yeah. And it was fine. Yeah, it did That work. never ceases well, to be scary. A fair, well, that, that actually, that homepage was was all borked up. That was that was actually harder. I had to rebuild that like three times. But maybe I'll write my homepage in Bootstrap now because I could, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, using iframes, it's it's a bit of a hack. So I would I would minimize doing it. Well, there's a bunch of changes in HTML5, you know, with uh, with those, as it turns out. A whole lot of the stuff, uh, the the coding that you used to do with it says, not HTML5, not HTML5, not HTML5. It's different. But anyway, this shouldn't be all about me. We should get to the lessons. What do you think? Let's do some new stuff. Yes. Now, okay. your homework last time was basically to just do what I did as an example. So I don't have another sample solution because I effectively did my sample solution up front. I was so, actually hoping uh, you would say that because I was thinking, what is he going to do? Do the like different words on the same thing? So no, I did I, it. I, it I worked. Just, I did it. It worked. So I've done my bit. So yeah. hopefully you had fun designing your ideal menu bar. Or I did. You had, instead had fun doing your site, which is even, you know, it's all good. It's all practice. So it all counts. Yeah. Um, flexing your programming muscle. So we're going to dive straight into new stuff today. Um, and in particular, we're going to continue. A few installments ago, I sort of shifted focus a little from looking at stuff for web pages to looking at stuff for web apps, because mm. they have different needs, right? You're never, while reading the news, you don't really need to have menu bars, right? That, but you do need that if you're going to write an app. When, you know, when you're reading the news, you don't need the ability to alert you that something has happened. But if you're right. having an app, it probably does need to communicate with you. So an app and a page, well, it's all HTML, well, it's all JavaScript, well, it's all CSS. It's not quite the same. And so our focus had been more on web pages, and now it's more on web apps. Oh, cool. And we're going to continue that today by looking at two Bootstrap components, which are both designed to to, better, to to differently solve a problem we've sort of half solved before with the alert um, component. So what we're talking about is notifying users that something has happened. And like I say, in bootstrap land, there are three types of ways of, of, of notifying people of a thing. The first is the alert, which we met before. Right. Uh, the second is the modal, which is the first of the two we're going to meet today. And the third is quite recent. Um, it wasn't in Bootstrap 3 at all. It's the strangely named Toast. <laughs> okay. But it's inspired by the way push notifications look on a phone. 
Hmm. So I guess I, I don't know why they're called toasts, but they, they they could pop up from the bottom of the screen. I guess maybe. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that, well, that'll be a way to remember it anyway. Yeah, that's, that's sort of what I'm doing because I have no way no way to know why else you'd call it a toast. But anyway, the the component is called toast, so we shall call them toasts. Um, and I guess before we get stuck into the specifics, I want to talk a bit about why there are three and. Okay, so there are three. That now means that you have decisions to make because every time you come to tell a user about something, you're going to have to say to yourself, is this an alert thing? Is this a modal thing? Or is this a toast thing? And how do I how do I choose? Which of these do I go with? Okay. And the way I would think about it is that it there are different types of notifications. So the alert was designed to solve the problem of telling a user something that you know the moment the page loads or the moment the, sc- the, the interface of the web app loads. We use so, cookies. Hurry up. Click here. That is pretty much the quintessential example. Yes, the dismissible right. we have cookies alert. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely one of the most common examples of an alert. And the web page knows it has cookies before it loads, right? So it's not something that happens after the page loads. At the point the page loads, that alert can already be there. And then it can be dismissible, but it's there when the page loads. Another example when this is used a lot is on web apps where you change from one screen to another screen. And when you arrive on the new screen, it's telling you something about what happened in between, so mm. the ultimate example would be the more old-fashioned um, webmail interfaces that still refresh the page, whereas nowadays you tend to have, like, Gmail now has, like, a little popover that comes in from the side, so you still see your inbox sort of hiding behind you. you know, it's right. not completely gone. But, it, you know, in the past, in the older Gmail interface, you would click Compose and you would get a fresh interface, right, a screen just for composing. And then you would hit Send, and then that whole Send screen would go away and you'd get your inbox again. And at the top would be a little notification to say that email was sent. So at and the that's point that in, an alert that's or that's alert. something else? Okay. No, no, it's an alert because at the point the inbox loads, you already know that you want to tell the user that. Right? right so you're loading right. the inbox okay. and you're sticking at the top of it because you know the moment the page loads, you know that you sent the email. That's what happened to get you here. The other example would be in a login, or you hit a logout button, and then you get back on the login page, but it says you have successfully logged out. Okay. At the moment the page loads, it knows, so it just uses an alert to tell you, and you can, the alert may or may not be dismissible, but it's, alerts are for something you know at the point the screen arrives. The other types of notification really come into their own in web apps, which is when something happens because of some event sometime after page load. So the user has clicked on a button or the user has typed a thing or something has happened on the other side of the internet and some sort of JavaScripty thing has happened to tell your browser that a thing has happened, right? An event occurs and you need to tell the user that something has happened. You didn't know when the page loaded. It happened later and now you have to tell them now. And that's hmm. where both modal and toast come into play. So the first so question is... It, do it, I Again, kn- because an action happened... That has nothing to do with page load. Yeah, so at the point the page okay. loaded, you did not know when the user would submit a form with something invalid in it. Or, you know, whatever it is you need to tell them about. At the point the page loaded, you didn't know you needed to tell them this thing you now need to tell them. Because it happened after page load. And in okay. an app, you're clicking and pointing and you're doing things. Right? In an app, you're, you're engaged, you're active, you're clicking, you're doing things. Therefore, your actions may result in the need to tell you something. 
But what caused it was your actions. You, you know, at the point the page loaded, you had no idea this was going to happen in the future. So you can't use an alert. Okay. So that divides our three possible answers into two buckets. Do I know when the page loads? Yes, use an alert. Do I know when the page loads? No. Now I have another decision to make. I've narrowed my choice down to two. So the question then becomes, is this something that needs to take... Does this need to be un, unavoidable? Does this need to be intrusive? Does this need to stop everything the user is doing to make them interact with this thing? Do I need them to acknowledge they've seen this? Do I need them to choose between three options? Do I need them to say, I agree? Do I need to stop everything they're doing on this app or on this interface in this forum until they have done a thing for me? So the the form is send or cancel. They have to pick one. Yeah, so maybe it's you, you hit the delete button and it pops up and says, are you sure? Right. You have you need an answer from them. You can't continue until you get an answer. So you interrupt everything they're doing to say, no, no, I need you to tell me thumbs up or thumbs down. And a dialogue that stops you interacting with the rest of the user interface is known as a modal dialogue with a lowercase m in human computer interaction theory. That is the name of that concept of something which forces you to change mode into it. It It is modal. So modal with a capital M is the name that Bootstrap gives their implementation of this idea. Okay. So a Bootstrap modal will cause everything on screen to be hidden behind a semi-transparent black veil. And then on top of that veil is the modal with the content of your choosing. And you may choose to put some buttons in it. You, You know, whatever it is you need to do, you put into that modal. So everything behind is now gone. And the only thing that is up there is the modal. That is, by design, intrusive. It is, by design, disruptive. That's what it's for. It's for intruding. It's for interrupting. It is for saying, now. A, a perfect Ain't example that- of what it's, this sounds like is when you're on Windows and you want to do something like install some software and it, it basically turns everything gray and brings up that box and you can't do anything else. That is an extremely modal dialogue right? at the operating system level. So nothing you do in your browser is at the operating system level. It's only ever going to be in the browser window level. Sure. But it is, it is that same concept. Nothing is happening in this window apart from this thing here that is modal. So if you need to interrupt, then you use Bootstrap's modal component. If you just need to tell someone something, you, not, you don't need to interrupt what they're doing now. You just need to let them know that something's happened. Oh, by the way, that thing you were wondering about, you know, you, you asked me to remind you in five minutes of a da 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 Five minutes are up, you know. Something that is that doesn't have to stop what you're doing, That like a notification on your phone, to be honest. Most of them don't need you to stop doing what you're doing. They just pop down, let you see them for a second, and then they disappear again. That's so what the toast they, is for. Oh, that's what toast is. So are they timed? They can by be? By default, yes. By default, yes. They don't have to be, but by default... So by default, a modal stays there until you act and a toast comes and goes of its own accord. Okay. Because it's non-intrusive. So the question you ask, the two questions you ask yourself is, do I know this when the page loads? And do I need to interrupt? If the answer is 
yes to the first question, you use an alert and you call it a day. If the answer is no to the first question, then you say, do I need to interrupt? If you do need to interrupt, modal, otherwise toast. So that's your decision tree. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Excellent. So let us, we already saw alerts weeks and weeks and weeks ago, so we don't need to talk about them again. Let's now move on to the first of our new friends, modals. In fact, let's step back a little bit. So we don't know what we need to tell people when the page loads. That's the whole point of these things. So that means that unlike everything else we've been doing, we can't just pop it into the source code. We can't just pop it into the HTML and have it be there because we don't know what it is. could be anything. Right, right. And it probably has to contain some sort of information relative to what the person was doing. If the person is trying to send a tweet using your web interface and what you need to tell them is, I'm sorry, but uh, there's this current fail will going on and here's the reason Twitter say you can hit send. Well, you didn't know what that was when you wrote the code. So how could you possibly have hard written that into the page? Right. You may need to give them, if they stay in your app for an hour, you may need to give them 50 different toasts. You don't know what they're going to be. So how could you have written them beforehand? You're, you know, your, your crystal ball is on the fritz. You've no idea. <laughs> okay. So we can't just write these into the page like we would a nav bar or like we would an alert. We have to use JavaScript to make them when we need them. Oh, so my okay. usual trick of having a page with a whole bunch of samples doesn't work for this particular installment. So instead of oh, really? having a page with lots of sample nav bars, I've had to be a bit more creative. And I've made a web app to demonstrate these web app features. It's not a very complicated web app. It's a page with two forms, one that makes modals and one that makes toasts. So <laughs> okay. you will find that in the zip file as pbs70b. Oh, okay. The reason it's B will become clear in a moment. So if you want to see what these things look like, without explaining how they work, if you just want to see what they are, what it is we're talking about, then I would suggest that we open up pbs70b.html and take a few moments to play around with it. Okay. So we'll start on the modal generator. So if you pop in a title, or you can leave it blank and it'll use some random gibberish, and maybe pop, you don't have to pop in a body, okay. but... Okay, just hit the generate button, and what will happen is a modal dialog will appear. Wait, where's generate? Oh, okay, there we go. So you'll see that the background has been grayed out, and this thing has popped up, and we can acknowledge it by, there's an X button we can click, that would make it go away. We can generate it again. There's an OK button, that'll make it go away. Uh -huh. And because we're using the default settings, just clicking anywhere in the gray area will make it go away. Oh. You have the you, you have the power to override that if that's not appropriate, right? But most modals are to tell you that something really critical has happened, so any form of dismissal is usually fine. That's not fine if you need a decision. If it's one of those modals where you need them to say yes or no, then you would disable dismissing it by any means other than yes or no. So you would omit the X, and you would provide two buttons, yes or no, and you would tell the modal plugin not to behave in its default way and not to make itself dismissible by clicking randomly. The other thing that this misses it is the escape key. Again, disableable if that's not what you want. That's pretty cool that that's all, that's all done with Bootstrap. That's all done with Bootstrap. And you can do all this by hand, but you know what it is? A pain in the backside to do all <laughs> of that by hand, particularly the Q 
key bindings. Key bindings are very annoying in HTML and JavaScript. So Bootstrap does it all for you. So it's a pretty darn good default, actually. It's quite nice. And for those so listening, type- he's also put in things like style and vertical alignment and width, and you can play with all of those. And I assume that's just some JavaScript pointing to, okay, go go make it say this. You know, right. So we're going to see how we're, we're going to, as we look at how modals work, we're going to learn the CSS classes we need to do these things. Okay. So f- we're going to learn what th- those buttons on the form are not doing magic. They're using standard features. So we'll learn about those features as we go. But for now, what I really wanted you to see is what a modal looks like. And similarly, we have a button to generate a toast. So you can give it a title and give it some body and we click generate toast and hey presto, a little window appears and after three seconds it will disappear and if you want to make it go away quicker, it has an X. I wanted it to slide though, like toast. Yeah, it doesn't do that by default. Maybe that'll be part of my homework. It's probably possible to do. I just, I haven't looked into customizing animations with Bootstrap. It's possible. I just haven't done it. Ooh, if you keep saying generate toast, they go all over the screen. Oh, yeah, they'll keep they'll stack nicely. Yeah. And after three seconds, they'll begin to fade away. And then you yeah. click again and get another one. <laughs> yeah, so toasts are, toasts are designed to be multiple of them because you've no idea when they're going to happen, right? You can need to tell people two things at the same time. Right. So the toast can handle two things at the same time. However, you can never tell someone they can do nothing until they answer your question two at the same time. Modal two modals at the same time is literally does not compute, and the documentation from Bootstrap is extremely clear on that fact. You can have a modal. That's what it means to be modal. It means that nothing can happen apart from this. Therefore, nothing can happen apart from this. You can't have two modals at the same time. Makes sense. You can tr- you can try, but it will just it will be completely weird because they have not in any way allowed for that in the code. So if you force it to happen somehow you're going to get an unpredictable mess. Okay, so let's see how these modals actually work. So the first thing is a modal, if you add, so there's only one allowed on a page at a time. So in this case, it actually makes, you have a couple of different approaches you could use. So if you know in advance that you're only ever going to have to tell them one thing in a modal dialog box. You can actually just write it straight into your HTML and by default, anything that is a modal will be hidden. So it will stay out of your way until you use some JavaScript to say, appear, and then it will appear. Uh, But usually you don't really know every single, you don't really know what you need to tell people in advance. So the other approach is to write into your HTML the skeleton of a modal and give IDs to the customizable bits and then use jQuery to retroactively pop in the right text in, you know, the Depending on what they did wrong or... Yeah, exactly. So generally speaking, there's two things you'd want to inject, a title and a body. And so you might you might even wrap it all up in a little function called show modal, which does all of that for you so that you can just call your function with two arguments if you're doing this in a real web app. But the point is you'd have the skeleton sitting there and then you'd use a bit of jQuery to say, stick this text here into the thing with the ID of blah, 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 and stick this text here in the thing with the other ID and then call the show function. And hey, presto, your modal pops up. So that's a very, very common approach. And that's the approach we're going to take. Now, the main reason I suggest doing that is because the HTML for a modal is complicated. Oh. 
So you could use Bootstrap to build it, not Bootstrap, you could use jQuery to build it from scratch, you know, the dollar function, give it a string of a little bit of HTML and then say dot add class and dot, you know, atter whatever equals whatever. You could do all that building up stuff we've learned before, but the code would get quite messy. So my advice is make a skeleton, give it an ID, and then use jQuery to fill in that skeleton as and when you need it. And you know you're never going to need it once at a time. So one skeleton is sufficient because by the rules, there's only allowed to be one of these. Oh, okay. So you could have all different modals, but they're, they all shove into the same skeleton? Yeah. So you have your skeleton and every time you need to show a modal, because you can only show one at a time, you just change the title, change the body. So your okay. skeleton do remains they unchanged. empty automatically? No, 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 no. That's up to you to do. Okay. So replace the title, replace the text, show. Replace the title, replace the text, show. Could never be more than one at a time, so you know you're fine. Right, right. So that's the approach I'm going to take in my examples. And that's the approach that PBS 70B uses. So when you look at the code for PBS 70B at the top, you will find a skeleton modal. So we're not going to do that, though. What we're going to do is going to switch to PBS 70A. We're going to start as simple as we can. Hmm. Okay. So there is one use case for modals where you actually don't need any JavaScript. And that's the use case where you want to hide some big content behind some small content. And a classic example I've seen all over the net these days is a button in an alert to view a privacy policy. Hmm. So you'll see at the top of PBS 70A is an info alert that says, we have a privacy policy. It matters. So click the button to read it. And if you click our privacy policy, lo and behold, you get a nice pop-out modal effectively. And that's an easy to dismiss one because, well, we're just, you asked for the privacy policy, here it is, and we don't want to be in your way. So as soon as you click anywhere, it goes away. Okay. So that is the simplest possible modal. So we're going to build that as our introduction to modals because it's as simple as it gets. Good. So the entire modal is contained in a tag of your choosing, but everyone chooses a div. No rule that says you have to, but everyone, pretty much everyone does. So you take a div and you give it the class modal. So far, so good. Inside that modal, you put another tag of your choice. And again, everyone uses a div. And you give that tag the class modal-dialog. Then inside the modal-dialog, you make another tag. And again, everyone uses a div. And you give it the class modal-content. So modal-content. Then inside the modal-content, you make at least two more divs, optionally three more divs. So the one, the two you have to make have the class modal-heading, or header, hang on, let me header. check which it is. Header. header is what your show notes say. Yeah, and I had to double check that a few times because okay. I always get confused. So modal-header and modal-body, those you have to have. And if you would like, you may also have a modal-footer. And okay, finally... So we, got, we got a modal... Oh, there's still more? Okay. No, no. Finally, that's where your content goes. So your header is where you put your header. Now, your header actually needs to contain an inline tag of your choosing, but everyone uses, well, not everyone. Spans or H tags are most commonly used. And you give that one the class modal-title. And now we're done. Okay. 
So we've got a a, ta- a div with modal, mm-hmm. a div inside that modal dash dialog, mm-hmm. a div inside that with modal dash content. Mm-hmm. Then we've got to have a modal dash header in there, a modal dash body potentially, modal dash footer, and then when you use the when you do the content, you do it probably with a span or an h. No, no. inside the inside the header, you put a span with the class modal dash title. Oh, I missed that part. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, got it. And then you have all of your pieces. Okay. Almost. Almost. It is advised that in the general case, you would like a dismiss button. So they suggest you take the close component we've already seen in alerts and you pop that in to into the uh, modal dash header. And yeah, then at that stage, it's over to you. Then, then you're allowed to fill in whatever you want. Okay. Whatever information you want. So that's quite involved. And one of the reasons it's quite involved is because that black semi-transparent background that covers the whole screen, that's your modal. And then inside that, you have sort of the pop-up bit in the middle where everything goes, and that's your modal dialogue. And then inside your modal dialogue, you need to do a little bit more work to get to your modal content. So it's because you're taking over the whole screen that the markup is this complex. It's not just arbitrary, but it is nonetheless quite complex. And unfortunately, it needs to become a teensy-weensy bit more complex because we need this to be accessible to screen readers. This is something which wasn't there when the page loaded and then suddenly appears. And the screen reader needs a little bit of help to know what to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thankfully, the people who wrote the ARIA spec thought ahead to the fact that you may need to display a dialogue. So they created a mo- uh, a an ARIA role with the very sensible name of... Um, ah, I think it's just dialogue, but I've lost it in my show notes now. Uh, role equals dialogue, yeah. Yeah, role equals dialogue, good. So... To get, a, to get us ARIA compliant, we have to do a few things. So the first thing we have to do is that we have to say on the outside dot modal, we have to say tab index equals minus one. And that's basically to force your screen reader to basically jump out to the modal and not get the poor screen reader stuck on the thing that's now behind the scenes. We don't want the screen reader to be continuing to try to make its way through the other bits of the document when you've just put this thing in front of everything. So right. Tab index Didn't minus use- one. We used tab index minus one for something a long time ago. I think I remember us doing that too, and I don't remember what it was. I think it was something where I solved a problem. I RTFM'd and found that and used it, and you were all proud of me. That's that's the way I remember the plot anyway. Sounds plausible to me. I mean, it's it's the kind of advanced thing you only come to when you start to support accessibility. When, you're tr- when you start to think about people who are navigating with the keyboard, tab index suddenly comes into play. Okay. So in this case, the bootstrap docs are very clear. Give your dot modal tab index minus one. The other thing the bootstrap docs say is give your dot modal the role dialogue. And the role dialogue tells a screen reader, when this thing shows up, it is supposed to take center stage. And so a sighted person would now be seeing nothing but this. So you, the screen reader, must immediately drop what you're doing and do this. And then everything just works. I wonder if you it then drops also need... it back to where you were. You know, when you, well, when the modal goes away, are you still at the same spot in the page or the web app? I wonder what I happens presume then. you'd go back to where you were in your tab index before then. Because the thing that you had been diverted from has literally been removed from the document when you dismiss it. 
Okay. Uh, the other thing you need to do is you need to explain... So we have all of these complicated tabs, right? You know, the div inside the div inside the div. You need to point the screener to where, basically, which bit of it is the actual, you know, human-y bit. And so you do that by saying role equals document, and you put that on the modal content. Oh, okay. So the whole modal gets the role dialogue, and the modal content gets the role document. That all seems pretty logical. Just more it is stuff, logical. right? It is logical. It's just a lot of typing. Why haven't you just given us your text expander snippets, Bart? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is perfect fodder for text expander snippet because it's very, very um, formulaic. Yeah. So the next thing we need to be able to do, so we've now, we, we have the code for marking up the skeleton of the modal and we have the code to make that skeleton accessible. So the last thing we need is our various buttons for making it all go away. So uh, the first thing is we can create a close button, which is that standard little X that we've already seen when dismissing alerts. That's using a, a bootstrap component called close button. Very sensible name for a component. And so the code is identical to the one for alert with one teensy vinci change. Instead of it saying data dash, dash bleh, let me try to say that in English, data dash dismiss equals alert, it says data dash dismiss equals modal. Okay. Other than that, it's identical to the code we've seen for alerts. Okay. So that's a real copy paste job. And wherever you put that code, up will come that nice little X. So I generally say put it in the header. That seems I forget. Do we have to? We have to put JavaScript to say what that button does, right? No, we don't, because it's a Bootstrap component. Oh, oh, okay, cool. So, right. So, because now you have to include the Bootstrap JavaScript file for this to work, but you need the Bootstrap JavaScript file for anything with modals to work. So, you're going to have that. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, the nice thing about Bootstrap is it's packages for you. So, the Bootstrap JavaScript takes care of the event handlers and so forth for these closed buttons. That's why it's a component, because closing things is such a common thing to want to do. They wrapped up that functionality and made it so that if you say class equals close, data dash dismiss equals something, Bootstrap knows what to do from there. I wonder if they ran any statistical analysis on what does everybody do a lot and say, okay, a close button, that's there a lot, or if they just poked around at the things that irritated them. I think the answer is both. There is definitely, there is no way a large open source project is not full of people scratching their own itch. That's why you get involved <laughs> in open source. Right. But when you get to a project a project the size of Bootstrap and you get to Bootstrap version 4, there's no way they haven't run analytics. Yeah, yeah. So the answer is yes, yes. <laughs> now, plus the, nerds. Plus nerds, right, yeah, there's that too. Uh, the second thing then is, so that takes care of, if we if we bring up our, our modal again, that takes care of the little X button. So that's that's basically a bootstrap close component. So the OK button is the next thing we need to talk about. How do we write that? Well, the good news is that's also a really common thing to want to do. So again, we don't need any JavaScript. Bootstrap has our back. So Bootstrap has a plugin called Dismiss, which is used by various things. And one of the things you can do with the dismiss plugin is dismiss a modal. So the code for that button is actually quite straightforward. It's just button, type equals button, class equals button dash whatever you want. 
Um, so you have to give it the class button to make it look like a bootstrap button, and then you have to give it a second one to make it look like whatever type of bootstrap button you want. So I went with button-primary. And then the magic. Data-dismiss equals modal. That's the bit oh, that so makes bootstrap. the same kind of button. Same kind of button, but instead of it looking like a close button, it's looking like an OK button. OK. Extremely similar to the one above, you're right. Now, why don't uh, you have any ARIA stuff on that? Uh, because this is not ARIA hidden. We're not hiding this from screen readers. This is what we want the screen reader to show. Oh, that's right. Because in the in the original button, you don't have it read out ampersand times semicolon. Exactly. So for from a screen reader's point of view, that little convenient X for sighted people doesn't really make any sense. It's just a distraction. What you want from the screen reader is for it to read out the dialogue and to tell you there's an OK button. Okay, right, right. So this is not hidden from the screen reader because this is actually the primary. This is the and it main says OK. Mechanism. It says OK in my case, right? You can type anything there you like. I agree. You know, not on your life. Take those cookies and show them up here somewhere or other. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so that is because because Bootstrap has this dismiss plugin, that's how easy it is to add a button to just say go away. Which is what we want. So there we go. We now have our very basic privacy policy style modal. Not bad. So let's look at yeah. I have given you that in English. So you have one of these inside of one of those and you give it this RE role. So what does it all look like when you put all of what I've said in English into HTML? Ta da! There she blows. Yeah. It's not it's only eighteen lines long too. Yeah, it's very involved eighteen I mean, lines. I would not counting, do them from yeah, memory. But, yeah, but I'm just copying that bad boy and putting it in text expander. Pretty much what I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so right, you've you know, div class equals modal, you give it an ID. And the reason I give it an ID is because we're going to want to reference this is our skeleton, remember? Oh right. So we're gonna to want to reference it so that we can poke around at its innards. Tab index equals minus one, role equals dialogue, aria dash labeled by, oh, there's something I forgot to say in the English. It is also considered good manners to tell the screen reader what bit of the text is actually the, the, the heading, the, 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 the thing that describes the dialogue. So basically you connect it to the modal's title, so with it labeled by. So you see that but, there's a... So did you give the title a, uh, an ID modal underscore title? Bing, bing. Yes, I did. So that's down okay. a little bit lower. Uh, H1 class equals H5 modal dash title ID equals modal underscore title. Ah, there we go. Okay. So that's what okay. that And then you are you labeled by. by modal underscore title in, in the yeah. opening div. Yeah. So that way the screen okay. reader knows that privacy policy is the title for this thing that's just appeared. So it's been told a thing has happened and it's taking the whole screen over. And that thing is a privacy policy. And then the Look screen here. reader can... Yeah, and a screen reader can intelligently do whatever it does to mark something as a heading. I don't know. Actually, I don't know how screen readers do that. Do they, like, talk more emphatically when it's a heading? Do they say it with more gusto? Title! Or they may just describe it. Title, blah, content, blah. I don't know how they would do it. If, if I was writing a screen reader with modern technology, I'd make it, you know, say it boldly if it was a title. <laughs> now, there's probably people with accessibility needs going, Bart, that sounds great in theory, but you know something in the real world, that'd be awful. In which case, I apologize. You will be happy to know it is not my job to make your computers work. If it was, I'd know more. Um, Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, So then we have our div classics modal dialogue. Modal dash XL is something I haven't told you about yet, so ignore that for now. Role equals document. Class equals modal dash content. Class equals modal dash header. Then rather than using a span, I prefer to use heading tags for headings. 
you will see the examples on bootstrap.com use a span. I really like to use a heading. So I have mine as a H1 because it's the first heading inside the modal. But a H1 is too big, so I gave it the class H5. So semantically, it's a top-level heading because to me it is the top of that modal. But visually, I want it smaller, hence class equals H5. Oh, okay. So this is my fetish for a semantically correct markup. Fetish. Yeah. So then we say, so we give it H5 modal dash title. ID equals whatever. We give it the content privacy policy. Then we stick in our button, copy paste job for our close button. We end the div. Then we say div class equals modal body content here. I didn't bother copying Laura Mispum in there uh, or Laura Mipsum. Then we have our footer. And inside the footer is where I put the dismiss button, which just says OK. And that's that's our that's our modal. That's not too bad. You're describing that as being really messy, but it's it, it seems logical enough and repeatable. It's logical, but compared to the code for an alert, there's a lot there. Yeah, that's true. You know, and as you will see later, compared to the code for a toast, there's a lot there. That's the good news. Oh, so toast is going to be fun. Toast is going to be fun, but it's thankfully simpler. Okay, so on the one hand, we can we can trigger the button. Okay, so, sorry, the next thing I want to talk to you about then is we have our privacy policy on that page. And when I click that button, magically, the modal appears. So how am I doing that? JavaScript. No, I've told you, this no? This is the one case where you don't need JavaScript because at the oh. moment the page loaded, I already knew everything I needed to know. Oh, so that's this is right. The one, this is the one case where I'm using a modal for something that you could arguably use an alert for, but the reason I'm not using an alert is because I don't want to waste everyone's screen space. I'm using alert to tell them what I need to tell them in a small amount of space, and if they want to know more, then I, I don't impose it on them. They've imposed it on themselves, right? So that is actually right. polite. It's a polite modal. I have said in the least amount of screen real estate, there's this thing I think you probably should read, and then you decide. And if you decide, then I take over your screen and tell you. And it's not actually an uncommon use case, but it was the only use case I could come up with for a modal I would know about up front. And given the GDPR, it's not an uncommon use case. <laughs> right, right. So how do I trigger that? Well, the answer is there's a bootstrap plugin called Toggle. And we've seen Toggle a few times already, but without me drawing attention to it. Um, and in this case, what the toggle is going to do is it's going to hide or show the modal. So you do that by just making a plain old button and you're giving it two data attributes. The first one says data dash toggle equals modal. And that tells Bootstrap's toggle plugin that I want to control a modal. And the next thing you need to do is you need to be a bit more specific and say, okay, fine, which modal? And you do that by saying data dash target equals... And then you put in the CSS selector for the thing for the modal. So pound sign or octothorpe or whatever we're calling it this week, <laughs> and then the ID of the modal. So you make So there's button. only one modal though. No, oh, but only you one can be calling different time. modals one at a time. Okay, right, right, right. So in theory, if you knew there were only ever two things you wanted to say, a privacy policy and a cookie policy, you could in theory have two buttons. And have two modals in the HTML code with different IDs and you click on one button and one ID pops up and you click on the other button and the other ID pops up and you can't click the two buttons at the same time because the moment you click one button, well, the only thing you can do now is dismiss the modal and then you're free to click the second button so you're still fine. There's only one at a time. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So you could have more than one. And in theory, if you put in a class here instead of an ID, you could pop two of them up at once and cause everything to break. So I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so the code from that actual button is shown below. Um, basically, button, type equals button, class equals button. Then just to make it a bit smaller, button dash small, or SM rather, button dash secondary, because this is, you know, this, this isn't the primary action on the page. And then margin left three, so ML dash three, just so the button doesn't smash right into the paragraph. And then the magic data dash toggle equals modal, data dash target equals pound sign demo underscore MDL. So that's, that is literally all there is to it. So that is the simplest possible modal dialogue. Hmm. Not too bad. Yeah, not and too bad. And you will find that in PBS 70A. Now, the more normal thing to want to do is to, um, to make the modal appear because something has happened. An event fires and you respond. You have an event handler that responds to the event by showing a modal. That's much more likely to do. So for that, we need JavaScript. Um, like with all of Bootstrap's JavaScript functionality, it's presented in the form of something called the jQuery plugin. So jQuery defines these rules for the correct way to add extra functionality into jQuery. It's their plugin architecture. And Bootstrap uses jQuery to do its thing, so it's only logical that it offers its functionality in the jQuery standard way. So anyone can write a jQuery plugin. And if you go to the internet and search for jQuery plugin for X, Y, or Z, you'll find lots of different answers. So Bootstrap aren't doing anything unusual here. They're doing a very sensible way of exposing their functionality. They're, so they're exposing it in the form of a Bootstrap plugin. And they're very, they're very consistent in their naming. If Bootstrap has a component called modal and it needs JavaScript, then it will have a matching jQuery plugin called modal. If Bootstrap needs a JavaScript to do toast, it will have a Bootstrap plugin called toast. They're, they're good okay. at that. <laughs> Uh, it's now, the thing is, it's a lowercase. So they're always lowercase because that's the bootstrap rule. Well, not the, sorry, not the bootstrap rule. That's jQuery convention, not rule convention. So the way it works, any this is the way any jQuery plugin works. It's you use jQuery to get a reference to a thing. So you use the dollar function. And then you stick to the end of a dot name of plugin. And then you pass as a string the action you want to perform. And then if the action needs arguments, they come after that. But in this case, none of our actions need arguments. So to see this in action, let's use PBS 70A and open up the JavaScript console. So if you're in Safari, go to develop, show JavaScript console. If you're in Firefox, do whatever the Firefox equivalent is. And there's one in Chrome too. Okie dokie. I'm in there now. Okay. By the way, anybody so, hearing my doorbell going? I have all my notifications turned off on every device and it's still going off, so it's not my fault. Well, the good news is the mic isn't picking it up. Oh, shoot. Now I made everybody listen for it. Okay. So before we, we, we do anything specific, just to remind ourselves that we can use the dollar function to get a reference to our modal because the modal has the ID demo underscore MDL. So if I just say dollar open parens open quote pound sign octosorp whatever we're calling it demo underscore mdl close the quote close the parens and hit enter 
then you should see it returns one thing, which is div ID equals demo underscore MDL. Yes. And it also, oh, I, I copied and pasted from your show notes and it said show after modal. Right. So so that's the next thing, right? I'm just, yeah, that's where we're going. So that's just a dollar function for getting our modal. So now that we know how to get our modal, we're going to invoke the modal plugin. So we do that by saying dot modal. And then we pass to the modal plugin as the first argument, a string saying what we want to do. So the, the plugin will define a number of actions and you just pass the action in as a string. So the first obvious action is show. So if you pass in show, oh look, the modal just popped up. Yeah. And if we pass in hide, oh look, the it goes away. Ta da! So if we're interacting with modals using JavaScript, that is the most basic functionality. Make it appear and make it disappear. Now, okay. the other thing I said was you the, the most common thing is you'd have a skeleton and then you use jQuery to populate the skeleton and then you'd show. So let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. So the first thing is at this stage, um, let me see, what do I say in my show notes? Okay, so I'm just showing the modal as it is at the top of PBS. Oh no, I'm saying please open PBS 70B. So let's let's switch. So you can close 70A. We're finished with it now. We're moving to 70B. Uh-oh. Okay. So are we looking at it in an editor or are we uh, uh, just now, opening just it in pop, the browser? Pop it in the browser and keep the old JavaScript console open. Um, okay. You can look the code as well if you like, but I have copied and pasted the relevant piece of the code. Okay. So... At the top of the document, and I commented this document very heavily, but you'll find the comment that basically says, this is the skeleton for the modal. It will be hidden by default. And so you'll see that it's pretty much identical to what we had before, but I've thrown in some extra... Um, I've given it... It has a, it actually has the same ID, demo underscore MDL. And that's pretty much all I've done to it, really, apart from the fact that the modal title has a really boring bit of text that just says modal title. Um, and inside the body, I've put a paragraph that just contains modal body text goes here. Okay. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. It has a close button, uh, which just says OK, and it has the little dismiss X. So it's pretty basic, but it has an ID right. so we can address it. And I have a paragraph waiting for the content, and there's a H1 tag waiting for the title. Okay. So let us now try to write the jQuery into the console to customize this dummy so if you want to just you could just do a, a show now and see what it looks like before we do any messing around with it so you could you could take the same the code we had from the other one and copy it in to show because i use the same id it'll just pop up and you'll see that it now says um model title model body goes here yeah exactly which is pretty darn boring okay there we go so now let's start customizing it. So the first thing for our convenience, so we, these are all going to be pasted one by one into the console. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make a variable called dollar modal so that we don't have to keep typing octosorp demo underscore mdl. Blah, blah, okay. Blah. So dollar modal equals dollar blah, blah, blah. Is it supposed to say undefined after I do that? It is. That's how, yeah, that's just the console saying that that operator didn't return, that operation didn't return anything. Okay. But if you type dollar modal on its own, you'll see that it is what you think it is. Yes, no? Yes. Yes, okay. So the next thing is we'd like to update 
the title. So I'm going to give it the text, I like cake. So how do we do that? Well, you can copy and paste in the code, but in fact, do copy and paste in the code. And then I'm going to say, would you like to describe it to me or should I describe it to you? (laughs) Uh, You mean what happens? Well, no. So could you walk through that line of code? It's not a very long line of code. So looking at that line of code, what do you think it does? You know, starting on the left and breaking it down. What what are we doing? So it's got, uh, I hate it when you do this because this makes me have to use the right words. Uh, Okay, so uh, we're pulling jQuery because we got the the, uh, dollar symbol. And it says dot modal dash body space P. So that must mean paragraph. Sorry, you're one down. You're one down. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, no wonder. I couldn't find the cake part. Okay, sorry. So we got the jQuery dollar sign, and then it says dot modal dash title. So we're talking to the title, and then you've got the you got a comma, and then the uh, the variable that we just the constant we just created dollar modal. So okay. we're looking for uh, things that are have the ID of uh, demo ID? underscore mod. Sorry, ID. He says questioningly. I thought things with the Octothorpe were IDs, no? Right, but I don't see an Octothorpe. Well, we just said constant dollar, or the, we used the constant uh, uh, dollar okay, modal. Okay, on that line of code, it says dot modal dash title. No. No, I was on the second half of that. I already said dot modal oh. dash title. I didn't so hear I would, you said the magic word class. So I was doing it right to left? Oh, okay. Sorry. So I, I read dot modal dash title. So I was about to say before I interrupted that dollar modal means I'm looking for the ID uh, demo underscore modal with the class modal dash title. You're not no? looking for, you're looking in. Well, oh, okay. Okay. That's an important distinction. Right. Okay. Okay. So I'm looking right. inside demo, uh, the ID demo underscore modal for the modal dash, uh, dash title. Right, and exactly. then I so, put a dot text, so I'm just shoving that text into the modal dash title. Precisely. So look for something with the class modal title inside dollar modal, and give it the text "I like cake." Now, the only thing with the class modal dash title inside our modal is, of course, the title. So what used to say modal title now says "I like cake." Okay. So we're part of the way there. Not a million miles dissimilarly, we have the next line. So this one is to update the body. So we say dollar. So again, we're calling the dollar function with two argument forms. So the first argument is the CSS selector. The second argument is the thing to contain it within or to, to limit our search within. So we're saying search for something with the class modal dash body space P. So what does space inside a CSS selector mean? Um. Uh. That's the one I said, the way I said it before, which is paragraphs that have modal bodies. No. No. The CSS, inside. CSS, the CSS selector modal dash body that's inside a paragraph. All of them. Other, other way around. Ah. Paragraph inside something with the class modal dash body. Hmm. Okay. So space means contained within. Okay. So the, the thing we're editing is the P, not the modal body. Okay. So then we're saying constrain all of that inside our modal. So inside of our modal, look for the thing with the class modal body and inside the modal body, look for P's. Now there's only one P in there. So it's it's the one P we're editing. And then this time, instead of saying dot text, I'm saying dot HTML, which is almost the same as dot text, but we're allowed to stick HTML in there. So we say, seriously. I don't remember us ever doing that. 
I'm not sure we did either, which is why I threw it yeah. in there. That's fun. Seriously, I strong tag, really close strong tag, like cake. New line, new line. Don't you? Okay. So paste that in. Uh, by the way, you randomly switch between single quotes and double quotes, and it doesn't matter, correct? Yes, that is the joy of JavaScript. And why did I do it in that case? Because um, it looked like a quote? No, because don't has a single quote. Ah, there you go. Okay. Uh, so I could have used backslash single quote inside single quotes, but that's ugly. Yeah, Okay. So if I have a string that contains a double quote, I'll always use single quotes. And if I have a string that contains single quotes, I'll always use double quotes to save myself having to use backslashes. <laughs> okay, I like it. And I default to single quote because it's cleaner. I'm, I'm just, I, yeah, it's a habit. It's not, it's not a requirement. It's just a habit that results in less slashes. And that's generally better. So now that we've done all that, our modal is now still invisible, but it now has the content we want. So now we say $modal.show. Sorry, $modal.modal.show. Yeah. And when it pops up, it says, I like cake, don't you? I really like cake. I really like cake. And, our, you know, it's proper. It's got, you know, the correct uh, bolding and everything. <laughs> so that is basically how PBS 70B works under the hood. That code we've been copying and pasting into the console is actually inside the click handler for the generate modal button. Oh, okay. It's a little bit more complicated. It's reading the, it's instead of using the the text, I like cake, it's reading the content of the text area. Instead of okay. using the text, whatever we gave the title, it's reading from the title field. And it has some defaults. It says, if the text box is empty, use this text, which is lar- it's a randomly generated lorem ipsum. But fundamentally, that button is finding the title and shoving some text in and finding the paragraph inside the body and shoving some HTML in. That's what it's doing. Okay. And that is how you would use notification, sorry, that's how you'd use modals in the general case. So the last okay. thing I want to talk to you about in terms of modals is that there is some customization we can do, which is why that form has a few extra inputs. So by default, when you click generate modal, you'll notice it's positioned a little bit down from the top and centered horizontally. Yes? Yes. Now, that's odd. And I've always felt it would look much better centered vertically too. <laughs> Thankfully, that is an option. If you would like it to be centered vertically too, you need to add the class modal-dialog-centered into the div with the class modal-dialog. So it would be modal-dialog space modal-dialog-centered. I'm starting to see a pattern with these bootstrap commands yeah they're nice and consistent which is great so if you change the radio button all it's going to do is insert that class for you and now when you click generate modal oh look it's in the middle very nice and i think that's much nicer i much prefer that the next thing we can do is we can customize the width so the default width is Well, it's responsive, so it's not a particular pixel width, but basically on very narrow screens, it takes up pretty much the whole screen at the narrowest breakpoint. But once you go beyond the narrowest breakpoint, it starts to develop a a border around the edge. And as you get into the bigger breakpoints, that becomes a very big border very quickly. So by default, it stays quite small and centered. And for short messages, that's good. But if you're using something like a terms of service, you probably want it a bit bigger. 
So you have three classes you can use to tinker about. So the first one is actually modal-sm, which makes it even smaller than that. So if you use the drop-down, you can see what modal-sm looks like. It's very narrow. Okay. Then if you say nothing, so basically you don't add an extra class, you get the default width. And then the next one is modal-lg for slightly bigger than average. And at the smaller breakpoints, LG won't look any different to normal. But when you get into the bigger breakpoints, it takes up more room for longer till your screen gets really big. And then it still oh, starts okay. to have big borders. And then the last one is modal-XL. And that one takes up a lot of room, even on large screens. Huh. Yeah. And where do you put those? You put those onto the modal dialog. So you'd say class equals modal dash dialog space modal dash SM or class equals modal dash dialog space modal dash LG, etc. Okay. Uh, that's it. Uh, there is no, un- unlike, say, an alert, there are no built-in different styles. If you want to make your modal look different, it's up to you. You can either use raw CSS or you can use the utilities. So as an example of that, I've just made two little variants. If you say style and change to success, all that's doing is setting a BG of success on the header, a text-white on the header, and a button-success on the OK button. Now, did you have to do a bunch of JavaScript to watch the drop-down and all that, right? Yes, the approach I chose to take was that the first thing the click handler does is remove all of the funny classes, and then it just puts in the ones that it mentions in the form. Because otherwise you have to remember where you left it last, and that's way harder. Just strip everything away that you might have added last time, and then add in what you want to add in. Okay. But, you know, any approach will do. At the end of the day, it's jQueries.addClass and or .remove class. That's all that's happening when you change those buttons. Add class and or remove class. Nothing more fancy. So that's that's modals. Or rather, that's as much about modals as we're going to cover. There is more. There are options you can use. And those are described in the Bootstrap documentation. And so if you need them, you should go read the documentation. Because at this stage, after 70 episodes, I feel it's appropriate to start telling people that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I am finding myself just going... Okay, I'll just go over to the bootstrap, bootstrap documentation. I bet I can find it. Yeah, and you generally can because it's actually nicely documented. It's one of the reasons I, cho- I choose to use Bootstrap. It's, it's one of my tests, right? When I'm choosing between technologies, I will go read the manual. And if the manual is poop, then I will keep Googling <laughs> and only reluctantly come back if Google tells me that, no, tough, that's it. That's your only choice. So let's move on to toasts. Um, toasts are a similar kettle of fish, but somewhat different. Um, You almost never will know up front what toast you're going to need. And what's worse is you can have more than one of them at the same time, as you discovered by clicking the generate toast button over and over again. So this option of we'll make one skeleton and we'll use jQuery to fill it in and show it. No, can't use Hmm. one skeleton. So we're going to have to use the other approach I said was possible, which is use jQuery to build up a whole new tag from scratch and append that tag into the page and then show it. 
Hmm. I thought you said toasts were easier. This sounds harder. They're, I said their markup is simpler. Oh, <laughs> technically that is what you said. Okay. Yeah. And the reason that's a good thing is because if we're using jQuery to build these tags piece by piece, I wouldn't want to have to build a div inside a div inside a div, however many Matroska dolls deep the bloody modal is. Matroska dolls? Those Russian dolls. That's what they're called. Oh, oh, okay. I think. Yes. 99% sure. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, dolls all the way down. Uh, oh, so much to do on Matroska Turtle. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> squirrel? Squirrel, yeah. So, um, let me see, where are we going in our show notes? So, we're going to do the approach of building our toast from scratch. But uh, let's start by describing the markup we're trying to build. So, the first thing we need to do is we're going to have the entire toast is going to be contained inside the tag with the class toast. Who knew? <laughs> Uh, again, you can use any tag you like, but everyone uses divs. Now, inside the toast, go two tags, toast-header and toast-body. They can be anything you like, but everyone uses divs. And there need to be exactly two of them. There are no... To- toasts don't have feet. And the documentation is very clear. You need a header and a body or the CSS will get messed up. Now... To support accessibility, unfortunately, we have a little bit more work to do, but not, thankfully, a huge amount. The, hey, Bart, the, the you actually yeah. skipped a whole bunch of stuff in your show notes. You Did skipped I? a section called Get a Toast Rack. Uh, okay, I was going to flip back to it. Okay, you can. That's fine, if that, if that works. And yeah, I didn't. When I was writing the notes, I didn't know which way around it should go. I'm still <laughs> okay. not sure which way around it should go. We need okay. both. We may as well describe the toast, and then we'll put them in the rack. Okay, sounds um, good. So we have our dot toast, which contains a toast-body, and before that, a toast-head. So that's nice and simple. For accessibility... Header, header in your show notes. Header, yes. That's, yeah, I see. And I double-checked <laughs> like the show notes are correct. Okay, um, good. Because I kept getting it wrong. Uh, and then we have some ARIA stuff to do, but let's pause the ARIA stuff until we have a talk about our toast rack. So... We are going to be adding toasts into the document using jQuery's append function. But we got to append them to us something. Yeah. And we don't really want them showing up in a particular part of the document, because that could be scrolled off screen. What we want is them showing up in a particular part of the screen. Do you see the subtle difference there? Yeah, yeah. Now, when we were looking at the bootstrap utilities, we learned that you can position things relative to the screen instead of relative to the document by saying position dash fixed. Right, right. I remember that. So what we really need is a tag of some sort. Three guesses which tag everyone uses. (laughs) A div. A div. And we need to give it an ID because we're going to be appending into it. And then we should position it fixed If is the most probable thing. You don't have to do it this way. You could, in theory, have a sidebar and have all of your notifications show up in the sidebar or something. I mean, there are you don't have to do it as a fixed, but I find it the most generically useful. So that's why I went with the, that example. You could put it anywhere. But the point is, you need to have something to hold your toasts. And officially, the something has no name. I have christened it a toast rack. <laughs> Okay. I made that up, but that's how I remember it. I just call okay. it the toast rack. And because I'm only going to have one of them on a page, I give it the ID toast underscore rack. 
and then I don't have to remember where to append. To. So why is there only one toast rack, even though you can have lots of toasts? Because you want to use one rack because that way they'll stack nicely. So when you keep clicking that generate button, it stack them in a really nice way. Oh, okay. It'll do that assuming you put them all inside the one container. If you were to oh, put them okay. inside separate containers, they wouldn't stack. Okay. So I'm saying class equals position fixed. Style equals Z index 99. So the Z index is how stuff is vertically stacked on the page and you want your toasts above everything. So pick a stupidly large number. Okay, you actually said 999. Yeah, 999. Wait, which way is Z? Uh, Bigger Zs are out. Out. So, So physically towards your face. Right, so... Okay. So 999 is very far out to your face. Nothing is going to be in front of those toasts. My screen is two-dimensional. Yes, but the HTML elements are not. Okay, so they have layers. Okay. They have layers because you've just said, don't position this relative to the document, so it must be in front of the document. Okay. I don't think we ever heard of Z-index before. 99% sure we have, but okay. I can't remember quite when. Okay. Probably when we were doing the position stuff. Before ah, maybe. we did bootstrap. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm saying top 10px, right 10px. So if you click on my generate toast button, you'll see they don't touch the edge of the screen. They're just subtly in from the edge. They're, that They're 10 pixels yeah. in from the edge is what they are. Okay. Okay, so there's our toast rack. Now, to make screen readers happy, we have some work to do. Because again, this is content that's appearing out of nowhere. So that means that we need to tell the screen reader that our toast rack is a place where stuff might happen. And you do that by giving it the attribute aria-live, which we've never seen before. Hmm. And aria-live says, dear screen reader, no matter what the person is doing, you need to keep watching this thing because something could happen at any moment in time. It's live. Oh, Oh, interesting. So you don't use that too often because the poor screen reader will have far too much work to do. But in this <laughs> case, we really do want the screen reader watching here for toasts. So we say aria-live. But you don't just say aria-live. You have to say what kind of thing. And I love the choosing, or I love the choice that the aria specification used. You can have two values in here, polite or assertive. Hmm. And the documentation says that assertive is for error messages and polite is for informational messages. Now, I would argue that if you have something that's so critical it needs to be an error message, it shouldn't be a toast. It should be a modal. Yeah. So I would say that I I don't see myself ever using aria-live equals assertive. I only see myself using aria-live equals polite because I'm only going to use toasts for information. I'm not going to use them for errors. I'm going to use a modal for an error. Okay. So that's what I've done. So I've said aria-live equals polite. Okay, so now we can skip back to where I jumped ahead to. So we have our toast. It's dot toast, which contains a toast dash header and a toast da- toast dash body. It doesn't yet have any screen reader help. So what do we have to do? We have to the first thing we have to do is we have to give it an aria role, and the role we choose depends on whether we said it was assertive or polite. Oh. If it's a, if it's a, if an if it's an assertive toast rack then the appropriate ARIA role is alert. If it's a polite toast rack, the appropriate ARIA role is... Oh, if I managed that wrong in my show notes. Status. Interesting. So you would say most of the time 
What? You're doubting that? No, no. Yeah, sorry. I just I thought I'd made a typo, but I haven't. I wrote it right. I just said it wrong. Uh, okay. Or in my brain. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So status. Uh, so yeah, I would say most of the time you say aria-live equals uh, polite and role equals status. Now, the next okay. thing you have to do, so if you have told a screen reader to look for changes in this bit of the page, the screener's default behavior is to only read what changed. But you actually want the entire toast to always be read as one, even if the heading is the same as a previous toast. So you do that by telling the screen reader, treat the whole toast as a single thing. In other words, pretend the toast is atomic. You have atomic toast. So you do that by saying aria-atomic equals true on the toast. Okay. Huh. It makes sense. It's a weird markup, but it doesn't make sense. So basically, always watch here because things might happen. If they happen, they're not the end of the world. I'm just telling you some stuff. Hence, aria-live equals polite. And when something happens, read the entire toast as a single thing. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Again, it is recommended... In the um, in the documentation to give a little close button so you don't have to wait until the thing vanishes of its own accord, and you use JavaScript or J. Let me say that again: use Bootstrap's close button component. So the code is exactly the same, except it says data dash dismiss equals toast. Okay. So you're seeing a pattern here. Yeah. Okay, so putting it all together, we end up with um, something that looks like the following code. The only subtlety in my toast code is that in order to make the close button appear in the right, I've had to set an mor-auto on my heading text. Hmm. So my toast header contains a strong tag, which is says my heading text, and that has the class mor-auto. So it will take up all of the space on the right that's available. And then after all of the space that's available has been taken up, I have the button that's going to be the close button. In other words, the close button is going to be pushed to the right because the thing on its left wants all the space that's available. Okay. And then I have my toast body, which is my toast content. That is pretty so simple looking. It is pretty simple looking. Now, the next thing to say is that because we're making this new HTML tag out of thin air. It wasn't in the document when the load event handler fired. So Bootstrap's JavaScript has no idea that this thing we've just manufactured exists. So we have to initialize it, which is quite normal for jQuery plugins. And the way you initialize it is by giving the name of the plugin as a function, but instead of passing in a string to say do something, you pass it an object or you pass it nothing at all. If you want to just take, I will accept all of the defaults. You just pass it nothing. If you want to give it some settings, you pass it an object. And in the case of toasts, there is one setting that you almost always have to pass it because the default is stupid. <laughs> so the default amount of seconds that a toast stays on screen before it vanishes is half. Half, half right. a second. Half okay. a bloody second. Who thought that was a good idea? So the way you change that is by saying delay and then a value in milliseconds. So the default is 500. I would argue that 3000 is the lowest sane number. Maybe you want it longer. So we need to initialize our toast and pass it delay and then a value. 
So let's do what we did before. So in let's do a shift refresh so that we have a fully fresh page on PBS70B and then we'll open up our console again. Okay. So let's start building it up. Uh, the first thing we want to do um, is we want to make a div with the class toast, the role status, and aria atomic equals true. So that's what the first line of code does. So if you paste it in first, and then we can break it down if we need to. Okay, so we pop in that line of code. So what we're doing here, so we're calling the dollar function. And we're giving it one argument. And that argument is not a CSS selector. That argument is an HTML tag, yes? Yes, it's a div. So we, we are creating a new div. It's in limbo, which is the word I used to use when we talked about this many moons ago. Mm. So this div exists in limbo. And it has no properties yet. So the next thing we say is add class toast. So now it's a div oh, right. with the class toast. Okay. And then we say atter role with the value status. So now it says div class equals toast role equals status. And then we give it another attribute at aria dash atomic with the value true. So now okay. it's div Got class it. equals toast role equals status atomic aria atomic equals true. Right. Yes? Yes. We, th we then make a title. Again, we make a div. We add class toast dash header. We append to it another tag out of whole cloth. Strong, add class, MR auto, add text. We then make our button using all the same stuff. Dollar button dot atter type button, right? That's all we're doing here. Okay. Then we say we append the dismiss button into the title. We append the title into the toast. Then we make a body. Again, dollar div add class toast body dot text, my toast body. Then we append the body into the toast. So our toast is now a div that contains a div and next to it another div. And the last thing we do is we say into our toast rack, so dollar pound sign toast underscore rack. So give me the toast rack and append into the toast rack the toast. Actually, the way you built that up is the repetitiveness of it. I think I'm starting to catch a pattern. Yeah. This is where yes. I often get stuck. So it's good to see the pattern. Now imagine doing that pattern for the bloody modal. Mm. <laughs> okay, yes. I gotcha. So now I said we have to initialize by calling the name of the plugin and then our options. So dollar toast dot toast, and then we pass it the object delay three hundred three thousand. Okay. So we're saying make this into a toast, and we want it to hang around for three thousand milliseconds, which is three seconds. Now the okay. next thing I do here is a courtesy. When I add this toast into the document it will automatically hide itself, but it won't delete itself. So if you click the Generate Toast button 400 times, there'll be 400 invisible toasts in the, in the body. Oh. That's a bit of a clutter. So what we actually want them to do is to delete themselves. And we can do that with an event listener because the Bootstrap uh, plugin issues events. And the event we care about is hidden.bs.toast. And remember, BS is Bootstrap. So okay. when the toast finishes hiding itself, it will invoke this handler. And the handler simply calls jQuery's remove function on itself. Oh. <laughs> it deletes itself from the document when it's hidden. Okay. And then the last thing we do is say $toast.toast and we pass it the string show. I am getting a little tangled on your dollar toast and toast. One of those is a variable you created, and one of them is the real the name toast of the thing. Plugin. Yeah. Okay. I might call them my toast, but oh, gotcha. okay, sure, yeah, or tea, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 
so when you click the generate toast button, that's actually what's happening. But instead of it being hard coded text, I'm reading the text out of the text box and I'm reading the body out of the text area. But basically, okay. that's what's going on. Nifty. Um, I'm just going to say, you may notice on that page, there's a button called Add Random Glop, which was named in honor of Allison. <laughs> and it just... pops in some random lorem ipsum. I didn't reinvent the wheel on that. I basically went, I need some random text. There must be someone who's written some JavaScript to do this. And the answer is, yes, there was. There's a nice little piece of open source JavaScript called lorem ipsum. So I simply imported the third party library. Ah, Similarly, um, on both the toast and the modal, it's always in camel, it's always in title case, the titles. They're always the first letter capitalized, even though it's random glop. That's called title case. And I didn't write the code to make text title case. I went looking and found a open source JavaScript library called title case. Two title turns case. Text in, two title case, yes. That turns text into a title case. And so I use that. So that's if and, I put in a title that isn't title case, you're going to fix it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, no, sorry. If you let it be randomly generated, the, the lorem oh. ipsum is used to make the title, but the lorem ipsum gives it in lowercase, and I want it in title case. Wow. So if you leave it blank, you'll get random words that have then been made into title case. And then the last thing I want to mention is that I could have taken those two open source .js files and put them into the zip file and then referenced them from the zip file by saying script src equals dot slash name of file. Right. But I was too lazy to download and include in the zip file. So I linked to the actual online copy on GitHub. Yeah, that's cool. You can't do that directly. You need a bit of help. And the way you do that is oh. through a fantastic free content delivery network called JS Deliver with the last E missing because it's the internet. <laughs> so basically, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I used two open source libraries and JS Deliver. And I just wanted to draw attention to that fact. So the last thing I want to do is give you a challenge. Okay. I would like you to make a little simple web app. It's going to have a web form with three things in it. Some sort of input of your choosing. It can be anything you like. Its role in life is to ask the user to enter a number that is a whole number greater than one. Or equal to one. Okay. Definitely a whole number. Uh, And I want you to label it minutes. I then want you to add a text area and I want you to give it the label message. So the user gets to type a message. Then I want you to make a button and like you to title it Go. When the user pushes the button, I want the first thing to happen is that the form disables itself. So you can't press the button again and you can't type any more text. Then I want you to wait for whatever amount of minutes that were entered. And when those minutes are up, show a modal with the message typed into the text area. Basically, this is a timer. If you so say we're, five, we're back to really hard homework assignments this week. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Because the only way to use a modal is to have some JavaScript do something. So the something is simply wait some amount of minutes. Yeah. Okay. I also Dorothy, just you, so you know, I'll be having you help me. Yeah, I'm not quite done yet. Okay. I also want you every minute to put up a toast to say how many minutes are left. Sure. But I... That's but I don't happen, want you. <laughs> but I don't want you to put up a toast 
when you're finished. So if you choose one minute, no toast. If you choose two minutes, one toast and then the modal. If you choose three minutes, two toasts and then the modal. If you choose four, you get the idea. Okay. And then if you'd like some bonus credit, if you'd like some bonus credit, it is possible using those options I mentioned. So we saw delay 3000 was an option. There's another option which allows you to have an infinite delay. In other words, it'll never auto-hide. So for bonus credit, create the toast so they stay forever. Okay. And that's it. All right. I've also linked in the show notes to the four pieces of documentation that are relevant. None of this is something we've never seen before, but this is a bi-weekly show on episode 70. So although you have seen JavaScript timeouts, JavaScript intervals... You've seen events and you've seen the prop property from jQuery. You haven't seen them in some time, so I've linked you straight to the documentation. Excellent. Excellent. Well, hey, we have somebody to thank. We do. So, listener Nocilla Castaway and all around our people, uh, Geeko Supremo, also known as Caleb Fong, also known as Caleb went into the wonderful Nasilla Castaways Slack and shared a link to a fabulous little cheat sheet, sort of a quick reference for lots and lots and lots of web front-end technologies. So some of these we've never even heard of, but a lot of them we have heard of, like the core JavaScript language, say, um, and the new stuff in ES, uh, the latest version of JavaScript, the class keyword, the let keyword, basically really cool cheat sheets for people who do webby stuff. And so not all of them are going to be of use to anyone. At least one of them is going to be of use to everyone. Yep. I I loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, so there will be a link to that in my show notes. They're not in Bart's uh, in Bart's tutorial because they're sort of, you know, the tutorial stands alone. So if you're looking for this link, it's going to be at freecodecamp.org, but it'll be linked on uh, my website. Yes. And I guess we'll probably tweet about it too. I guess we should really, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bert. Well, I, th- I think what I'm supposed to do now is say that until <laughs> next time, happy computing and uh, bon chance with the homework. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need it. Thanks. Bye, Bart. Bye. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to let's-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.